0: Welcome to Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network.
1: The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended.
0: The Commons. A landscape free for the ideas, sketches, and correspondence of the listeners and creators of the Mutual Audio
2: Network. 63 Audio presents The Man With No Face A Tale of Psychic Phenomenon Dramatized by Pete Lutz
3: Thank Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen of the International Association of Parapsychologists, I am not here before you today to share amusing anecdotes. What I have to tell you is not a story. It is a case. I chose it from among many very strange experiences because it is, to me, inexplicable. And some of you, once you hear it, may feel able to explain it to me. Ten years ago, the north of England was horrified by a crime, the circumstances of which may still be in your memory. One of the people involved in that crime was a patient of mine, and I am here today to tell you what I know of his involvement therein. A young man, let us call him Mr. Smith, accumulated some wealth in good investments and married a fine young woman whom we shall call Mrs. Smith. And they arrived, in the course of their honeymoon travels, at Riley, the popular inland spa city where I was at that time in practice as a general practitioner. "'One day I received a visit from this Mrs Smith. "'We had hardly shaken hands when she blurted out... "'Are you good at mental cases?' "'Mental? "'Well, I'm not a specialist, "'but I am interested in the study of brain diseases.' "'I've come to ask you to do a curious thing, Doctor. "'I want you to
4: come and dine at the hotel "'with my husband and me tonight. "'We've been married ten days.' "'I want you to pretend to be an old-school friend of mine "'to account naturally for having invited you. "'My husband knows none of my friends, "'so there's no likelihood of his being suspicious. "'I have here a few details which I've written down for you "'to help guide you, such as my name, those of my family, "'the school I attended, and so on. "'Do you think you could
3: come?' "'I was surprised, of course,' but I confess that my interest was piqued. I must, of course, ask what would be the real object of my visit.
4: (sighs) I don't... I don't want to say anything that might give you a clue. (laughs) I want you to be quite unbiased, simply to watch Mr Smith and me, and to report to me faithfully afterwards... "'anything that seems to be unusual. "'After dining with us, you will naturally call upon me the next day, "'and if you come between eleven and twelve, "'my husband will be taking in the waters, "'and you can see me alone. "'Then we can talk.'
3: "'I said I would come. "'I felt sure she was sincere. "'Her manner of controlled agitation called out my sympathy.'
4: Whatever you may notice tonight, pretend to see nothing unusual.
3: Thank you." I promised. We dined together that night in a private room. The husband was a heavily built man, about 35 years old. He was taking the waters for rheumatism and had a slight stiffness of the right shoulder. He appeared to be very devoted to his wife. I felt Mrs Smith to be watching me as I watched Mr Smith. I could see her eyes following mine. I could feel, and more strongly as the evening wore on, that she was wishing or expecting that I should become aware of something which eluded me. I studied the man for all I was worth. Mr Smith was reticent, but not unpleasantly so. So by degrees, I shaped out the notion that the man was on the defensive. There was something that he wanted to hide, and more especially from the woman he loved. By the time I took my leave, I had found out little more than the simplest facts about his life abroad, how he and his wife had met, and so on. It was evident that he loved his wife, who was some years younger than he, a great deal. I left early that evening, since I could glean no more information by direct questioning, and called again the next day at the appointed time, a good deal perplexed as to Mrs Smith's reasons for inviting me.
4: You noticed nothing? Nothing? There was one time when I thought you must have seen it. It was so close to you. It? Oh, you needn't glance around. It's not here now. It goes with him. Please sit down. We must talk it out. I'm desperate. I know I originally consulted you about my husband's brain.
3: But do you think there might be something wrong with mine? I wouldn't think so. Hallucinations, you know, are neither uncommon nor dangerous. Is your hallucination of a very unpleasant character? Judge for yourself. It is a man
4: without a face. Excuse me? I always see it following Randall about. Ever since the day after our wedding, that is. I never saw it before that. (sighs) It was there last night as we dined together, standing behind his chair. It's very horrible, for it has, instead of a face, only a mass of scars. It wears a
3: kind of white mask. Hm. Have you suffered from hallucinations before? No, never. Have you mentioned this, any of this, to your husband?
4: No. Why not? Because... Because... I think he knows. You think he
3: knows?
4: I'll tell you why I think so. (sighs) On the morning after our wedding, Randall got up early and went down to the beach. We were at Scarborough. I dressed and went down to the coffee shop, selecting a table near the window. As I sat there, Randall came in by way of the veranda. This creature I described before followed him in. It gave me a shock. It was so hideous. Then, as my husband sat down, I saw it was close, standing behind his chair. There was something in its hand. I couldn't see what, and I've never yet been able to see it. A waiter in that moment brought coffee for Randall and walked right through the creature, taking no notice of it. I knew suddenly that the thing was not substantial. But what on earth could it be? It was more than I could take, and I fainted dead away, falling on the floor in sight of everybody. When I came to, Randall was looking over me, And we were in our room. It was just the two of us. The strange creature was gone. Oh, what? Randall? What?
2: Shh, 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 darling. Darling, you're all right. Everything's all right.
4: But I... I remember feeling...
2: Yes, we had a bit of a scare down in the coffee shop. Do you know what caused you to faint, sweetheart?
4: What? "'What caused me to... Oh! Why, I have no idea, Randall. "'I don't think anything like this has ever happened before.
2: "'Should I call for the hotel doctor?'
4: "'No, no, please, dear. I'll be all right in a few minutes.' "'I couldn't bring myself to tell my husband what I had seen. "'I had very nearly convinced myself that it was nothing more than over-excitement of the nerves.' A little later, however, when I came into the sitting room, there was the thing again, standing behind Randall as he read a book on the settee. I approached him slowly, cautiously, nearer, nearer, trying to understand what it could be. Randall's eyes were on his book, and he didn't notice where my gaze was fixed. And as I approached... The creature's hands slipped round his throat and covered his mouth and nose. He gave a choking gasp as if something was strangling him.
3: Mrs Smith went on to say that her husband's hands went up to his throat. He staggered to his feet and went over to the open window as if to get air. She said that the apparition had disappeared, but all in a moment a certain knowledge flashed into her. He knew about this awful thing, but he didn't want her to know. Until we were married,
4: I couldn't see. Now that I was Randall's wife, I saw. And I felt that, to save him, I must pretend that I saw nothing. Putting a cheerful tone in my voice, I said, what a curious catch in the breath you have. Do you remember? You seemed to choke that same way once before, when we were in Scotland sightseeing in Birken Glen.
2: I'm sorry. I was afraid you'd be frightened. It's just a muscular spasm. Don't take any notice.
4: Oh, don't worry. My nerves are good, as you know. I'm not going to begin our marriage by being frightened whenever you seem to be ill. That would be making a rod for my own back. (laughs) "'I said it in a flirtatious way in order to make him laugh and kiss me, "'and we two set out for a walk along the beach. "'But all that day I couldn't stop thinking. "'Are we both mad? "'What will come of this?' "'And I made up my
3: mind to consult you. "'The hallucination, I feel sure, exists in your husband's mind,' and is merely transferred to yours by the power of a strong sympathy. You are strongly in sympathy with him, yes? Of course I am. Then it is he who should be my patient. Unless I can examine him, I can be of no help to you. If only I could
4: induce him to come to you. But how can I, without telling him that I
3: know? Later that same day, however, Mr Smith came to me of his own accord. Since
2: you're a doctor and Violet's friend, I'm going to tell you my case on one condition, that you do not tell her unless we both consider it advisable.
3: I agreed with his condition, and what he told me upheld my earlier opinion that the whole thing was simply conveyed from his mind to hers.
2: For the past two years, I've been haunted by some kind of I don't know. Call it a ghost or an apparition. It looks to me like a man without a face. Or rather, a face so badly scarred that it no longer has any recognisable features. I can't imagine why I'm seeing it. I've never seen anyone in my life who remotely resembles this being in the flesh.
3: Do you have any enemies that you know of? No. Are you troubled by anything in your life?
2: Other than this apparition, you mean? No, not at all. And before you ask... No, I've never mutilated, assisted in mutilating, or allowed to be mutilated the face of any human being.
3: That's certainly comforting to know. Now, I must warn you, I can do little more than treat... I wrote Mr Smith a prescription, gave him what little advice I could, and urged him to consider the whole thing purely as a matter of health. I mentioned several cases I knew of in which overwrought nerves had been responsible for disturbing delusions. At last I stood, and he followed suit. I asked him how much longer he and Mrs Smith were staying in the area.
2: We're leaving tomorrow, but if you like, I can ring you up and let you know if this medication does me any good. Thanks, and goodbye.
3: Yes. Mrs. Smith? Hello. Yes. I wanted to let you know that your husband visited me today for a consultation.
4: Really? How wonderful. How did everything
3: go? I'll leave that for him to tell you, all right? I can safely say, however, that I think you'll see some changes for the better.
4: Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. I take great comfort in what you've told
3: me. From Riley, the Smiths returned to Scarborough as the air there seemed to suit Mr Smith better. It was ten days later when the reports of the Scarborough Hotel horror were all over the news. Two hotel guests were murdered in their beds in the course of the same night. They were perfect strangers to each other, they had never met, nor seen each other. They slept in rooms on separate floors, numbered respectively room two and room 11. One of the victims was the manager of a sugar estate in the West Indies, just returned to England. His name was Gabbett. The other was Randall Smith. The murderer was caught entirely through the description of him given to the police by the newly widowed Mrs Smith. He was a man of mixed race from the islands and his face was horribly deformed by acid. His motive in murdering the man Gabbett was clear enough. He owed his disfigurement and much other ill treatment to him. The killer had followed Gabbett to England to get his revenge. The murder of Mr Smith was simply a blunder. The figures on the hotel room doors were in Roman numerals. The intended victim's room was 11, and the criminal mistook the Roman numeral 2 for that number. However, after killing the wrong man, he had the diabolical self-possession and determination to go on and murder the right one. The method of murder in both cases was strangulation, of a peculiar kind. The doctors who examined the bodies thought that some small, curious tool had been employed to cover both the mouth and nostrils of the victims. And what's a remarkable feature of these crimes is that they were accomplished so silently that Mrs Smith, asleep in the same bed as her husband, had not been awakened. There you have it, the only case I ever heard of in which second sight was actually transferred from one mind to another and, as in most cases of this incomprehensible gift, the premonition totally failed to accomplish the one purpose for which we can conceive it to have existed. It foreshadowed but could not prevent the tragedy. Thank you for your kind attention.
2: That was The Man With No Face, adapted for audio and directed by Pete Lutz, from the story by G.M. Robbins. Our cast consisted of the following players. Julia Eve as The Doctor, Angel Lee McCoy as Mrs. Smith, and Pete Lutz as Mr. Smith. Music was by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Your announcer was Phil Boyd Studge. This was a 63 Audio production, mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas, and produced for The Commons, a mutual audio network doohickey. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep your ears clean. Sixty three audio.
5: This is mutual.
0: You are invited to a realm of audio drama where one moment can seem like an eternity. (laughs) It's Previously On, Previously On… There are as many Earths as can be imagined. And on an Earth that was not exactly our own, the man known as Dan Rather decided that instead of only finding the surface truths of the world as a meager journalist, he would rather look as deep as he could into the truth of all things. Dan or Deep as he chose to be called, decided to become an explorer, adventurer, and quantum physicist instead of a TV anchorman, and he found it to be rather good. He started noticing small things that intrigued and disturbed him as he adventured through lost civilizations, hostile dimensions, and forbidden bureaucracies. He started noticing the sounds of what seemed like audiences laughing when someone slipped on a banana peel. Or when they were struck by a pie to the face, even though no audiences were around. He heard phantom people gasping when melodramatic revelations were spoken out loud, or cheering when his foes would fall into volcanoes. He started noticing background ambiances fading in and out as if there were artificial scene changes happening during real life. These also accompanied blank spots in his memory. What disturbed Deep most was that almost no one else seemed to be aware of these things. And he thought this to be rather odd. Rather than despair, he took his team of heroes and ventured to the event horizon of what they knew as their reality. There are as many Earths as can be imagined. And Deep Rather and his team of explorers were determined to find out who had been imagining theirs. And they would have a few words with their creators when they did.
5: I was right, team. There are more than just two dimensions of sound. We're about to go beyond the Stereoverse and fold into quadraphaunospheric space.
0: Deep! Remember to adjust for the binaural belt of inverse waveforms as we rise into higher complexity!
5: Of course, Chip. We don't want to be phase-canceled.
0: Deep. I've used the Electro Electrocerebellum to analyze the plotbeat patterns that lead to the source, and I think I've identified the sources of conflict, pain, and evil in our universe.
5: Are you sure, Skippy?
0: Yes, I've isolated four of them. They. They, dear God. Dear God, they're horrible! Horrible!
5: Steady on, soldier. Tell us what you see and here.
1: Bell! Bell! Bell!
5: I don't hear any bells, Skippy.
1: Fro, 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 fro,
5: Oh, leg. Don't ever put your tongue on frozen surfaces, Skippy. And focus. Tell us what you are seeing, man.
0: Lots. Lots. Lots.
5: That just sounds plain rude there, Skippy.
0: And tap... Tappin'!
5: Ah! Other than nappet, spelled backwards, I have no idea what that is. An appliance brand, maybe?
4: Deep! Skippy's passed out! And he's bleeding out of his ears, sir!
5: We've got to put a stop to this chip. Full speed ahead. We'll make those monsters sorry if they ever messed with our world. Yes, sir!
0: Next time on Previously On... Will Bell, Frolik, Lutz, and Tuppen survive the wrath of their creations? Will Skippy recover from his horrible revelation? Why does Deep surround himself with people with names that sound like processed food products? Will Deep Rather's attack prevent there being another season of Previously On? Find out next time on... Previously On... This episode of Previously On was written, produced, and narrated by Lothar Tuppen and featured the vocal talents of John Bell and Lothar Tuppen. Action thriller theme music licensed from the footage firm. Sound effects by Lothar Tuppen and the Free Sound Project. This is a co-production of the Mutual Audio Drama Network and the Texas Radio Theater Company in association with RF Media at RFMediaPro.com. For more daily helpings of modern audio drama, please check out mutualaudionetwork.com. Thanks so much for listening and remember to watch more audio. Just
5: stay in this cell. Someone will come and process you in a few moments.
1: Hey, buddy, what are you in for? <laughs> Solicitation. Yeah. Can you believe it? But a nice-looking guy like you got to hit the streets at night to get some. <laughs> it's, it's not something I do all the time. It's uh, uh Yeah, yeah. Or oh, sort of on a deadline. A deadline? Yeah, you got to get some before uh, what? It's, it's... It's not important. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. Nothing's important right now. Well, except for getting out of here and go back to... <laughs> Cruising the streets, I guess, in your case. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not going back to the streets. Yeah, is this your first defense? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely, and, uh, trust me, I'll never do this again. What, did you get rolled or pick up something? Well, look, if you don't mind, can we just just change the subject? Sure, sure, whatever you want. Uh, thank I mean, you. You know, we're thank both you. stuck here, so we can talk about anything you want. Okay, um, <clears throat> you like movies? Okay, I, I I didn't see that coming. No, no, really, really, movies. Uh, you, you see movies and uh, you start to wonder about things. Like what? Like who's gonna wind up with a girl? I think you know that pretty much in the first ten minutes. Of most <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, you ever watch alien invasion movies? What the hell? Are you on something? No, 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 wait, wait, hear me out, hear me out when the invasion begins, the the bad guys, the aliens, the monsters, are are just that. They're monsters. They're scaly or ugly, and usually they can't even speak. They just, and stuff like that. I mean, does that sound reasonable? Well, if they're invading, they're bad, and if they're bad, they're ugly. I mean, that's yeah. the way it works well, out. Well, yeah, yeah that, that's the way it works out, but does it make sense? I mean, you see these bug-eyed creatures, and somehow they've Found us, and they'll come across the galaxy to take over the world. I mean, that takes intelligence. That takes that takes ingenuity. It takes it takes more than what a bug-eyed creature that goes all the time would have, wouldn't it? So You'd rather we'd be invaded by pretty aliens? No, no. You're missing my point. I'm, I'm making it badly. Uh, let's say that, uh, that we wanted to invade. A planet, okay, for whatever reason. Because their hookers are prettier than ours. Yeah, okay, fine, that's a good reason. Okay, we're going to the planet now. We're attacking an entire planet. And we've only got just a limited amount of people to do this. Do we go in with spaceships and, and lasers blazing? I mean, there's an entire planet we gotta take over, and we're just pui-pui-pui shooting people one at a time. D- d- does that make sense? As long as, long as we, don't we don't shoot the hookers. <sighs> okay, let's say that we take over a city or two. All right. And we can't get rid of everybody. Everybody's run and hidden, and now there's underground cells, and we're being attacked by, by, by people who have hidden and gathered weapons, and they're turning against us, and it's just one giant headache as we not only try to take over the planet, But we have to defend ourselves from people who are trying to keep us from taking over the planet.
0: Yeah, they could just
1: give up and give us their hookers. Yeah, yeah, if they were smart, (coughs) they could do that. But, all right, let's look at it a different way. Sure, why not? Let's Let's say that we wanted to destroy all life on a planet. Except hookers. We can't do it by going in and shooting everybody one at a time. It just won't work. It would certainly take a while yeah. The invading aliens have to do it in some efficient manner. How do you suppose they would do that? I don't know. Nukes? No, 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 no. Nuclear weapons destroy too much stuff. They just want the people out of the way so they can have the planet. A nice, furnished planet. Oh, I don't know. What are you talking about? I picture a plan that's done in three parts. Part one is observation and learning. About what? About us. About people. What makes us tick and what makes us stop ticking. Like all these stories of people being abducted and probed at places they shouldn't be probed. That's what you're talking about. Yes, yes, exactly. That's where they learn all about us. Then they find out how to destroy us. That's the second part. That's the second part. That's the third part. That's when the rest of the race arrives, and they can take over the planet without all those pesky humans trying to stop them. So what do they find out about us that they can use? Germs, bacteria, microscopic critters. They manufacture something that they know we can't cure, that we can't prevent, something that would spread... Rapidly. Uh-huh. They select someone at random and they give them this bug and put them back on Earth. Uh-huh. The victim has 24 hours for this bug to incubate, and then for the next 24 hours, that's when the symptoms kick in the nasty, ugly, coughing, bleeding you name it. And that's when the person spreads it through the air, through contact. And he knows that he's got this thing? Oh, yeah. They tell him. I mean, why not? He can't do anything about it. Well, he could save the world by offing himself, couldn't he? You know, bam, he's no. dead and that's it. No, 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 no. This thing is so nasty it continues doing what it does even if the body is dead. Well, we'd be screwed. Yes, yes, we would. Here's another hypothetical question. Oh, boy. If you knew you had just 24 hours to live, what would you do? I'd get so plastered I wouldn't know when the 24 hours was up. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought about maybe eating all the ice cream I could in a short amount of time, and I thought, I mean, I'd just get sick, and you don't want to die sick. I mean, you're going to be sick enough from this virus thing. Ain't that the truth. Then I would think, maybe I just need... A little comfort. What? Your mommy? No, no. A, a woman. I got you. A woman's arms to hold me. Just, just, just one last time. So like uh, your wife, girlfriend? Unfortunately, I, I, I don't have either of those in my life right now. But I do have plenty of money That it's not going to do me any good. So I can go out and spend it freely. (laughs) So you'd find a hooker, huh? (laughs) Yes. I'd find solace in the arms of a hooker. (laughs) And that's what you're in for here. That's what you... uh... (laughs) Oh crap! 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 God!
5: God, let me out of here!
1: God, let me out of here! Winslow, when, what the hell are you yelling about? This guy—he's
5: coughing all over the place. Oh, don't be such a drama queen, Winslow. <laughs> but, but, After all, it's not the end of the world.
0: The Commons is a free service and opportunity to share with you to add your voice to the Commons. Send an MP3 or WAV file to mutualaudio at gmail.com. That's mutualaudio at gmail.com. M-U-T-U-A-L-A-U-D-I-O at gmail.com. We love your feedback about anything on Mutual and are thrilled to share your ideas, your thoughts, or skits in our forum. See you next time in the comments.
1: Every other week, right here on Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network, you get a brand new episode of Bells in the Battery, for which we apologize. However, if for some reason you can't get enough Bells in the Battery, and after you've asked a professional therapist for help, head over this way on Fridays. Friday Follies has all the old Bells in the Battery, going back to 2006, you know, back in the prehistoric days when it sounded like this to get on the internet. <laughs> anyway, if you want to catch the old ancient bells in the bat free, catch it on Friday Follies right here on the Mutual Audio Network, and we apologize in advance for that as well.
4: The Mutual Audio Network,
1: listening and imagining together.